You received a call from an inmate at the Department of Corrections. This call will be recorded and monitored. If you wish to block any future calls of this nature, dial 7 now. To accept this call press 5 now. To decline this call hang up. Well, hello there, Miss Lisa. Oh, wait a minute. Well, well, you said something about your sister? Ah, yeah. I, re I remember making that video. So she uh, listened to it and liked it, huh? Ah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's... Uh, he's a convicted murderer. He'll be in prison for a while. But he has some incredible talent. And he writes uh, short stories that are based on his life. And it's nice hearing him read those stories or send them to me because I get a little insight on uh, what was going through his mind at certain phases in his life. And then I also get a little uh, look into his his, his past and uh, some of the things that led up to um, his crime and... Uh, that stuff really fascinates me, and it also gives me some uh, tools to use to help him help him um, feel better about himself and deal with the the trauma that comes with being locked up for committing a crime, and helps him to realize what had happened. But I think the most important thing is it, it gives me a chance to share his story with the rest of the world so that they can understand uh, what leads people to do these kind of things. And, and since no one person um, can be predicted, uh, learning as much about the person from that person's own words is really good. And I'm glad your sisters uh, actually went online and looked that up. That's uh it's really nice that she uh, she wants to do some background. And uh, I think that's the tool to help in reduce recidivism and uh, cut it back on crime and incarceration. Because if we know what leads to this motivation, we have a better chance of curtailing it. And the more we know about people especially those that are just struggling in life, uh, the more we can offer. And there are a lot of resources out there that help people. People that just get out of prison, people that are uh, contemplating suicide, or people that are just lost, that really don't find a purpose in life. And I know I was talking to him, and... Uh, he was asking me what uh, what got me into uh, helping people that are incarcerated, and I was telling him that I I believe that curtailing crime deals with uh, helping people find their their talents, things that they, they don't think about, and that it will uh, give them something to look forward to rather than falling back on this natural tendency to just wreak havoc. And uh, he told me that um, if he had met me years before he committed the crime, he wouldn't be in prison. 
says he, he likes that style. And I like hearing that kind of stuff because it means that it's touching him. And there is a possibility that uh, he could believe the same thing. You have 60 seconds remaining. With other folks and maybe share something that, that prompted him to commit the crime. Maybe share something that he believes uh, is useful information that will uh, lead people away from committing crime. But I think he has more knowledge on crime and crime prevention than I do. And that's that's a good good thing to tap into. Well, you know, if your sister does get out and share that information... You have 30 seconds remaining. That's way better than creating new laws and restricting people. Because nobody wants their rights taken away. But people do want to belong to a group. They want to be heard. They want to be uh, respected and seen and um, showcasing talents, especially in children, is a good way to do that. Well, good. I, I'm glad things are going well for you. And I'm, I'm certainly glad to hear about you. Thank you for using inmate call. Goodbye. Well, hello. Welcome to AQS Inmate Call. I am your host, Joel Wilborn. And this is a story about uh, a gentleman I met who's incarcerated, and his name is Michael Bray. He is uh, in prison for murder. And uh, he's sharing some of his talents with me, which really impresses me because just like a lot of folks, I figure that the biggest talent these people have that are locked up is the crime. They, they orchestrated this crime and got caught, convicted, and served in time. But one of the things that stopped me in my tracks when I was in law enforcement and actually talking to the folks is they're not as... Uh, let's say dumb as a lot of folks want us to think they are. They're not stupid people and they're not evil people and they're not even lost people. They just picked a path that to them helps them reach their goal. They'll solve some problems. Um, something that's uh, quick and easy for them to do good way to make money you know various reasons but not because you know I, I can't stand people and I want them all dead or I I don't like uh, people talking to me you know it's not something evil that's going on in their mind there are a few of course and that's one of the things that I love about mankind it's it's each person is unique. Each person has individual thoughts and urges and plans and things they like. You know, people I, I know in, that are incarcerated, they, they like witchcraft. Some are agnostic. Some are atheists. Some are deeply religious. Some have uh, incredible talent. And others are just lost you know it's just it just depends on who i'm talking to and uh, i i 
engage conversations just to try to find out as much as I can about the individual. I don't group everybody. I stopped grouping people years ago. Not all murderers are the same. Not all uh, drug addicts, not all uh, identity theft people. They all have different reasons why they do things. And sometimes I'll just flat out ask them, you know, why did you do this? But for me, the crime isn't as important as the future. What can we do to stop this from happening again? And I really like, like once in a while, like every other day or so, I look at the, the jail roster. And uh, sometimes I'll see people I know go back to jail. But most of the time, I don't. I'll go down looking for people that I've helped, people that I know, and I don't see their name. And I don't hear anything from a, a friend or family member that says, you know, so-and-so is in, in jail or in prison. That, to me, is an accomplishment. There are some that were on the revolving door, but they're not now. And when I talk to them, I'll, I will criticize them. But it won't be something like you're stupid or you're you're crazy for thinking like that. You know, I'm not going to degrade their opinion, the things that make them who they are. It's just more or less like I try to bring out the thing that went wrong, the thing that caused them to turn to crime. And I'll tell them, you know, do you regret serving time and most of them say you know this is where i should be and if i was out i'd probably still be out on the street still causing these problems and that's that's the important part right there they're taking responsibility for the crime and then i want to focus on well what can we do to prevent this from happening again and you know some of them get upset they did it. And, and that's one thing that we don't look at when we see people go to prison. It's traumatic. They don't, they don't want to be in prison. They don't want to lose their freedom. And they know they did something wrong and they wish they could go back and change it. A lot of them do. And then, uh, like with Michael Bray, he watched the documentary on his story. And they were interviewing the daughter of his victim. And she was visibly upset and he said that it really bothered him and he wanted to talk to her but he didn't think he could reach out and say anything so he he just made some contacts and he was able to get in contact with her and he apologized and uh, she accepted his apology and and you know when a person asks for forgiveness it's not to help the person who committed the, the wrong it's to help the person who was wrong that's the sole purpose of forgiveness, to help you move on into your life and put that, that baggage behind you. And there's people that live their whole life and they're forgiven by multiple people and they never know it. And, you know, if somebody were to say, I forgive you, I don't know, it might make you feel good. But the one that needs to forgive you is you you need to forgive you if you committed a wrong and you need to make change your ways and that's the strongest effect you're going to have people around you saying that uh, you're a terrible person but i forgive you that that i don't know if that really helps 
And uh, with the folks that I work with who are incarcerated, I want them to feel that they're a part of society. I don't want them to feel like an outcast. I don't want them to feel that we don't want them around. And so my conversations with them are, what do you like to do? Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, what's what's going on in your life that you feel that uh, you can't control, that you can't uh, overcome? And I really want them to know that they have supportive relationships out there. There are people out there that just want them to succeed. They generally want them to succeed. And the only way we can uh, help them is not by restricting them from things. You can't buy this. You can't vote. You can't go to this location. You can't live in this area. That isn't going to help anything. It just makes them feel that they're not equal. And in the United States, we want everybody to feel equal. It shouldn't just be certain groups. We want everybody to feel like they're a part of the group. And to to say everybody in here is equal, you have the same rights, except you. That isn't helping. So I want the people to feel that they're a part of society. And we can overcome these little negative uh, things that goes on. Yeah, I know people that are, are child molesters and, and sex offenders. And they have a huge amount of restrictions. And that's just because... They have this natural tendency to want to attack people that they should not be even communicating with. And I can understand that. You know, uh, a child molester should not be living next to an elementary school or teaching elementary students in Sunday school or even in school. But they have to understand that. You know, we're, we're restricting this because you have this tendency to do things. And uh, we want to take away that. And, you know, and rest of us who don't have these, these terrible tendencies, we limit ourselves. You know, if a person uh, can't stop eating chocolate, and the doctor said, you know, eating chocolate is going to be bad for your health, it's bad for your skin, the person will do something to limit chocolate or limit alcohol or limit marijuana. And that's because this person is trying to improve himself. And uh, if we were to take these people and put them in a, a room and and punish anybody that gave them the things that they're trying to hide or things we feel that they shouldn't have, that makes them feel like they're, they're not equal. So the biggest thing we need to do is help the person realize you committed this wrong, you're in the healing phase, any restrictions on you are necessary to help you. This is all for your benefit. And so people who are sex offenders, if they realize that they have to register 
They realize they have to live in a certain community. If they understand that they're doing this for their good and for the good of community, then we're successful. But if we tell them you're doing this because you are a terrible person, you don't belong out here with us, we're defeating the whole purpose. And I, I think the best way we can handle situations is to, just like we would with a, with a child, when you're raising a child and the child uh, commits a wrong, you want to explain why this is considered wrong. Now, if the child gets a pet and kicks the pet and you know pushes the pet and pulls the pet's tail or whatever, and uh, you're saying you shouldn't treat your pet like that. Well, I'm mad. The pet did this thing to me. And it's more like, this is why. This is why we don't do this stuff. This is why people will call the police if they see you out there doing this. And try to get the person to understand what's going on. And people who are struggling in their life for whatever reason, that's the ones that... uh, we want them to understand what's going on. And that's why we ask them, what can we do? And they'll say, well, keep me away from this. Or put me in this, this uh, put me under a watch. And then it's more likely to have a bigger, better effect on them. But looking at the jail roster and seeing, not seeing names, it's a good thing. And talking to people, asking how you doing, and they're just, they're, I mean, I've seen them get out of prison and just go off because they're so happy to be free. They want to go traveling. They want to do things that we take for granted. They just want to sit at a bar and talk to their friends or take a walk downtown or help volunteer and pick up trash. And um, we shouldn't hold that against them. If they're trying if they genuinely want to be uh, a part of society and um, put the the prison life behind them, let's be behind that 100%. Why not? I encourage you to uh, tune in to my YouTube channel. Take a look at the Michael Bray story. And hopefully I'll be able to get some more out there. Take a look at some other people's story. And uh, maybe these are folks that you want to share their story with some other folks that uh, could be struggling. I know I met a girl on a bus whose brother was, uh, she said he was just doing some bad things and it was making her nervous. And I directed her to my website and she was very happy to uh, share that with her brother. So that's, uh, at least that's a start. You know, there's no guarantees these things will work, but if we try a more passive approach instead of an aggressive one, I think we'll have better results. Think of the golden rule. How would you want to be treated? Well, have yourself a wonderful day and go out and make beautiful memories for tomorrow.